please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. Please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. Good morning. What a wonderful privilege and opportunity to share with you this morning about chapter 6 of 1 Timothy 6, 11 through 16. And I'm interested in this because the times of Paul in Timothy equals the times of today and what's happening in the world today. The, the, the heresies and the attacks on Christianity, uh, the, the subtle moves of demonic forces from the Middle East under Russia, pressing the world and threatening World War III is as, as, as demonic as the times of Apollo and Nike and Aphrodite. And so, I want you to follow me as I study and read to you uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 11 to 16. It says this, But you, men of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. There's a thinking here going underneath this. Fight the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. A moment of salvation. He's referring to uh, uh, 1 Timothy 4, uh, 4.14. And then he says, in the sight of God, who gives life to everything, and of Christ Jesus, who while testifying before Pontius Pilate, made a good confession. And he sure did. He made a good confession when he was about to be condemned to death. I charge you. Means I call you. I say to you. I speak to you. I enforce this idea within your brain. And I say to you, I charge you, brother, to keep this commandment without spot or blame. You know, to pervert a commandment, to pervert pervert the faith, can happen very easily, unless you know how to ask forgiveness. Which God will bring about in His own time. And then he closes with the benediction, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone is immortal, who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see, to him be honor and might forever. Amen. Ah, wow, what a wonderful. And Paul is just letting Timothy have right from the heart. Now, let's begin a little bit. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, just ask you to bless this word as it comes in the ears of those who are hearing. And I ask you, Lord, that prophetically they will be able to understand it. Spiritually, they'll be able to see it. Supernaturally, they'll be able to look at it and be revealed by the Holy Spirit what the word is saying to them this morning. Amen. Now, 
but you. Which is really a personalization of the words, but you. Men of God. Woman of God. So he's speaking to all of us. It's not something that he's saying to Timothy only. The word is just open. It's saying, everybody, listen, listen, men of God, woman of God. Flee from all of this. And flee from all of this. So, so I want to call your attention to the times of Timothy and Paul in Ephesus. You know, we're talking, uh, let me get a, my clockwork here and see if I can get a little bit of help for my uh, expositor's Bible. We're talking about year 65 after Christ. You know, year 65, which is about, I'd say, 35 years from the death and resurrection and ascension of Jesus Christ. So here's the timing. 30-some years after the Lord went into heaven. And it's happening right in the midst of Ephesus. If you go to Ephesus, as we're going to go on March 17, 31st, you're going to see a library in Ephesus the size of three-story high. The problem with that library is that the front of the library has been shot to, to kingdom come. It's exposed. It just fell down. But you see the floors. You see first floor, second floor, third floor. And the back of the library is as big as the front face of the library. So you're, talk, you're talking about what kind of books are that? You know, you're talking about uh, all kinds of Greek ideology. You're talking about uh, 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 Aphroditus. You're talking about Nike. You're talking about Apollos. You're talking about 15 or 20 deities that were worshipped into uh, the lives of the people. And, of course, Ephesus is, is populated by 250,000 people. I mean, you're talking about marble everywhere coming from Africa, yellow marble. The columns that are on the, on the, on the floor there as you go past to the library heading toward the, toward, toward the stadium, they were about 50 feet long columns of blue marble imported from Africa. I saw it. It laid on the grass. And so the library per se and the stature and the structure of that Tyrannus, Hall of Tyrannus, it was very impressive, but populated by a floor that was gifted with shining, beautiful marble and long robes of silk and hair that was all twisted left and forth. And, and you can see the Greek and the Romans running around, walking and talking, deep thinking of Aphrodite's in some book that somebody wrote. In the midst of all of that, there's a little Bible study in the middle of the corner back there by Paul. And Paul is there for two and a half years. And, and people were healed by handkerchiefs that he touched and anointed. So Paul is fighting here because in the mind of little Timothy, there's a war, a pressure. How, how, aren't we in the same vein today? Aren't we exposed to horrible theology that simply says that sin is not sin anymore and the cross has no power over sin anymore and there's no need of confession? We're, 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 in a, 
worse time today than Paul was then in Timothy. And so that's the intensity of this Bible study. That's the intensity of this message. He says, he says uh, six things here that, that stuck in my brain when I read it. He said, let me read it to you. Uh, and I'm reading now from the uh, King James uh, NIV. It says, pursue what? Flee from all of this. You know all of this means pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. These are six attributes and adjectives of the Christian life. So Paul is not just blah, 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 here just blubbing. He is actually saying something to the normal Christian of those days and of today. What is righteousness? Righteousness is a lifestyle before the living. A lifestyle before the living. Righteousness is in here a common sense that says all our sins are covered by the righteousness of God imputed upon us. Meaning that we, as we confess our sins, He's just and faithful to forgive our sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Is that filtering of our spiritual life that causes us to bring sin before God and take communion and come out free and clean and delivered and set free. The opposite of that is being condemned, put down, harassed, ugly, bitterness, resentment. That's of the devil. Righteousness. Second, godliness. is obedient relationship before God. That's what godliness is. So you present yourself before others and before God in righteousness. Then you present yourself before God, purely before God, and say, Lord Jesus, thank you, Father. I want to do, I want to be, be as holy as I'm holy. Number three, faith. Benevolence and goodwill. Faith here is not the faith of, uh, uh, only of uh, Ephesians, uh, Hebrew chapter 11, verse 1. But faith here stands as, as something supernatural. Because the effects of the day called out for supernatural faith. And then love toward others. You know, it's, you, you have to love the lost. You cannot condemn the sinner. You condemn the sin. And then endurance. Now, endurance here for Paul is staying power. In other words, in the midst of all this mess, in the midst of all these accusations, in the midst of being into a technological world going to double, to, to H-E double hockey sticks, we have enduring, staying power. Staying power is being strong in the presence of God, strong in the presence of men, strong in the presence of the Holy Spirit, strong in the presence of God, saying, in the name of Jesus. Now call me what you want to call me. But at the age of 79 years old, I want staying power. And then he says, gentleness. <laughs> you know, gentleness is, is tenderness. In other words, he's talking about gentleness in dealing with the heretics. See, the heretic does his mess and then leaves. He, can't, he don't have staying power. I never seen a liberal having standing power. I never seen someone mock the cross and have standing power. 
I never seen anyone who belittles the blood of Jesus Christ in the resurrection of the dead and have staying power. So these are six adjectives, characteristics which mark Christian life. And using these adjectives, he calls Timothy to complete the ministry for which God had placed him in Ephesus. You know, in, in 414, if you go to Ephesians, I'm sorry, if you go to Timothy 414, you get the, the verse that says, we believe that, is that right? I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm reading Thessalonians. 414, do not neglect your gift which was given you through a prophetic message when the body of elders laid their hands upon you. Do not neglect that empowering, that releasing of the power, that prophetic voice that comes in out of someone that has paid the bill. Take hold of your spiritual life. Do not be someone that sort of belittles all the time, takes for granted, and does not cut the cost. Meaning, put your knees down and prepare for the day. And so about you, let's go back to that verse, verse 11. But you, O men of God, was to show Timothy that his behavior was to be a contrast to that of the false teachers mentioned in verses 3 and 10 of chapter 6. If you go to chapter 6, uh, verses 3, you're going to find Paul describing the type of doctrine that these deities brought in impressed upon the church. And every pastor, every minister, every every Bible teacher, every 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 seminary professor needs to update your concept of understanding First Timothy chapter six in the deities of the time of Paul in Ephesus and compare to what's happening in the world today. And you're going to notice that the pressure upon today is much greater than it was then. You know, we have a Bible teacher in our ministry called Andy Hines. He preached on digital Babylon. Digital Babylon is simply what's happened between, between 285 and 85 intersection in downtown and north of Atlanta, Georgia, where the largest studios of pornography are being built at this very moment, where the whole world will make Atlanta, Georgia the capital of pornography. We are in a time in which we have to respond to what the devil is doing. And sitting idle won't do it. So Paul is impressing Timothy that his charge, his divine message, was just as powerful as of the Old Testament. For instance, you know, I mean, is that just Paul and Timothy? Is there anybody else out there in the New Te Old Testament that did the same thing? Well, I found, I found a couple. Look at Joshua 4.14. I'm sorry, Joshua 14.6. Then the children of Judah came into Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb said to Joshua, You know the things that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me. And, and, 
In other words, you know, you know, Joshua, the things the Lord said unto Moses, the men of God concerning Caleb and Joshua. In other words, it's very common in the Old Testament. In Second, in First Kings twelve twenty-two, the word of the Lord came into Shemaiah, the men of God. So one called person can speak to another called person. One called person can disciple another called person. Paul is discipling Timothy. I am discipling you. I'm speaking upon your life. I am the prophetic voice that God gave it to say to you and speak to you and to minister to you. So you can take it or leave it. But what I say to you is this. The example that Paul left us about talking to Timothy is really good. And I take it in my heart. And I, and I embrace it upon my life. And I say to him, oh God, help me to just follow that up until the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So verse 11. Ooh, hallelujah. Fight the good fight of faith. You know, I met a man going to Peru this last uh, two months ago. We've been to Peru and we've been to uh, Cuba in the last two months. And his name is Newman Smith. On the 10th, 11th, and 12th of, uh, of, uh, of this month, uh, 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 January, I think. I'm sorry, I, I got the dates messed up. But I'm sorry, Newman. But he's coming to Athens, Georgia. And I want you to hear this man speaking his faith to us and ministering to us. Uh, from, a, from a drug dealer to an anointed man of God who lives in South Georgia in the middle of nowhere. Amen? So, number 11, verse 11. Uh, flee, flee from all of these. Means the heresies, the divisiveness, and the greed. Verse 12, fight the good fight for the faith. A metaphor here. You know, looking to wrestling and sports. Fight the good fight. And uh, I love that. In other words, make sure that you don't become nice. <laughs> you know, make sure that you don't become weak and wimpy. Uh, in our days over here, when we had uh, 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 Betty McKinney as our Bible teacher, some of the times that Betty began to teach was just kicking butt, just kicking on, just coming at you. And you got to have that today. You don't want to have a life that is so weak and distraught and without resilience in the midst of a unbelievable heresies that are pressing upon the life of the church. You know, the United Methodist Church split from 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 the from in two. And today there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of churches disaffiliating from the Methodist Church because of heresies. Fight means here struggle with standing prayer. Fight means keep on knocking the door. Keep on saying. Keep on doing it. Verse 12 simply says this. And lay hold of eternal life. The life that comes from Christ means the cross. Is we have word to follow. In the profession, good profession before many witnesses, and have professed a good profession before many witnesses. Let me read uh, verse 12 on the NIV. 
uh, for just a second. That's chapter 6, verse 12. Let me, let me find it with my eyeglasses down here. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called. When you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses, which is 414. 13. In the sight of God, who gives life to everything, and of Christ Jesus. Now let me stop for a minute and get to my morning notes this morning to be with you. I hope you're getting hold of this. Are you getting something? Paul is saying to Timothy, eternal life is achieved by working on your salvation. Eternal life is achieved by faith in Christ. Eternal life is achieved through keep on keep on fighting. You know, I went to a football game this weekend and uh, and I had with me my son Rick and Laura, his wife, and, and Sammy and his wife, uh, Cindy from Macon, Georgia, my two boys. And uh, and I saw two teams just battling against each other. I mean, just, you could hear the pads hitting each other right from the stand. Pow, pow, pow. And uh, in, in my mind, I was simply saying, to myself, that's what I want to do when I get to that pulpit, when I get to that Bible study, wherever I am in the world preaching or ministry or going to a mission trip, I want to be kicking. I want to be harassing the devil. I want to be strong in the Lord. I want to be prepared. It's a good confession. Confessing your faith is critical. Jesus said in Matthew 10, 32, if you confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father who is in heaven. If you deny me before men, I will deny you before my Father who is in heaven. Confession is powerful. Confession brings the anointing. Amen? I'm with you. Those, those that are with me say amen. Okay, good. So let's go to... <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. With me in the studio today is, is, is Andy Hines. Andy Hines is the... The, 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 the big huncher here in RBM, he runs everything that has to do with IT. And the morning screen that you see down there is, he built it up for this morning. It looks good, doesn't it? It looks good. It's a new thing. It's so blessed to have that. Uh, so let's go to verse 13 of 1 Timothy 6. Uh, in the sight of God, who sees everything, and of Christ Jesus, who while testifying before Pontius Pilate, made a good confession. You know, <laughs> he really did. He really did. In the moment of death, when he is supposed to save his own hide, he simply confessed very clearly. It's personal. I charge you. Let's begin with that. I charge you to keep the commandment without spot or blame until the coming of our Lord in the sight of God, who sees this, brings Jesus' confession before Pontius Pilate. Now, the confession before Pontius Pilate is one of the most, uh, in Luke twenty-two sixty-seven, it's got to be one of the most awesome confessions of faith in public. It's one standing, one sitting on the chair, one woman in the dark. And Jesus answered and said, uh, when, 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 when asked if he was the Christ, 
the Son of God. And Jesus said, if I tell you, you will not believe me. <laughs> if I tell you, you will not believe me. In other words, it's a waste of time. Let me go into, uh, let me go into the, uh, uh, my other Bible called Spurgeon's Bible. And let me go into verse 13 here for those of you that are here. Amen. I think. And if I ask you, you will not believe me. And if I tell you, you will not answer. But from now on, the Son of Man will be seated at the right hand of the Almighty God. In other words, from this moment on, when I say I am the Christ, I have the power to judge. And as, as Jesus dies on the cross, God able to send a legion of angels to wipe out the whole atmosphere. Jesus gives his life to us publicly, a confession of faith. Paul is saying to Timothy, keep this commandment without spot or blemish. Do not take the power of the death of Christ. Do not take the power of the resurrection of Christ. Do not take the power of the ascension of Christ. Do not take the power from the coming back of Christ. Do not take the power of Pentecost over the life of the church. Because that will weaken your faith. You probably say to me, oh, Rick, you are a charismatic and automatic, a fanatic, uh, probably all of it. Because I was touched by the Holy Spirit of God. The power of God came over my life. And I'm not going to deny, I'm not going to tell you and please you. You can have the same experience of salvation in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But to speak to Timothy in this way, it's got to be one of the most tender things, sweet things that an old man could do for a young boy. Let me read to you the final things. The benediction on 6, 15, 16. Now the benediction that Paul gives to, to this to this uh, to this first letter to Timothy it, it is a very very powerful statement I want to read uh, verses 15 it says which God will bring about in his own time which is the coming of Christ now he begins the benediction God the blessed And only ruler. He is simply saying that all the deities of those days will have and have to bow down to the only God and the only ruler, Almighty God. You see, you now are translating that which he's saying, Timothy, to keep. In the, in the characteristics of a faith-growing man, he is simply going up and saying, here's the one who makes things to happen. And I'm, I'm going I'm to talk about him for you for a moment. And he says, God, the blessed and only ruler, he'll elevates it to a higher level. The King of kings and Lord of lords. He's not talking about Aphrodite here. He's talking about the one who rules and reigns because Jesus at this point 
at the year 65. He's in heaven at the right hand of God. And little Timothy needs to turn into him. And Paul is about to die. And the two are saying, we are not at the disposition of the devil. We are, we are at the moment of salvation and empowerment. And Pentecost already happened. It is year 65. Come, Holy Spirit of God, and empower this boy, Timothy, to get the job done. Hallelujah. Ooh, God. Hallelujah. <laughs> in other words, you can talk about the deities all you can, but when you're going to talk about God, oh, my God is a mighty, 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 mighty God. Then it says this. Who alone is immortal. Who alone is immortal. Oh my God. In other, in other words, he's a God of life. And people say, well, what's going to be when Jesus, when I go to heaven, what's going to happen there? Remember at Transfiguration, Elijah and Moses came down from heaven and they had a meeting with Jesus at Mount, Mount Hermon. Remember that? It's called Transfiguration. If Moses came down and Elijah came down, it means that all your family has a name and they also are people in heaven that you're going to meet and talk to them again. If God can talk to Elijah, if God can talk to Moses, He can talk to your wife that is dead, your son that is dead, your children that are dead. And there's a life to be in Jesus is immortality, is eternal life. And so God is saying to Timothy, remember, we're playing for high stakes here. I can't finish this. The clock's coming down to 29 seconds. Whom no one has seen or can see, to him be honor and might forever. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit of God, I bless your life and prophesy over you the power of God today in the way you've never seen before. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you.